0: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Right
1: on. Welcome to the Guy Jeans Podcast. I'm your host, Guy Jeans. And I want to thank you guys for listening to the show and all the different guests that I've been having. I've been having a blast doing this uh, podcast been learning a lot. If you guys want to check out my YouTube channel, go to the Guy Jeans Fly Fishing YouTube channel. Um, we got all kinds of stuff on there. I got my band on there, Stone Flies. Uh, I've got a bunch of information on um, fit fly fishing, um, the fishing reports on on the river, um, on in the surf, all kinds of uh, technique videos and that sort of thing. Make sure to scri- subscribe for sure. Um, if you guys haven't been to the new Website The com website, make sure to go check that out. If you'd like to be a sponsor, check out the sponsors page on there and uh, we'll get you on the show for sure. Um, also, check out the Kern River Fly Shop Instagram page. We've got updated um, little videos on there, and reels and um, all kinds of stuff going on. On the KernRiverFlyShop.com page, um, we have a fishing report on there. It's a sub- subscription-based fishing report. But we got special things going on in that fishing report. So um, we've got video reports, um, detailed information, flies that we're using, all that kind of stuff. Um, and you also get a discount now uh, when you become a subscriber for the Kern River Fly Shop. And it's a pretty substantial discount when you shop at Kern River Fly Shop. So that's something that you guys might want to check out. It's a lot of fun. I have a lot of fun doing it. Um, so without further ado, my my guest today is Gary... Aninian from the Kern River Conservancy, and we're going to find out all kinds of stuff of what he's been up to lately uh, concerning the Kern River Rainbow, the hatchery, and some other projects that he's working on. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Gary Aninian. What's going on, bud?
2: Uh, I'm doing good. How are you?
1: (laughs) I'm doing good, man. Um, I I guess what I I wanted to start out with was have, you know, there's a lot of people that probably haven't heard um, about you and maybe you can kind of describe, give an example of like what you do out on the river and what your whole organization is about and all that stuff.
2: Yeah, so, uh, you know, when we first started Kern River Conservancy almost 10 years ago, uh, their primary focus at the time was picking up trash, cleaning the graffiti, uh, making the river clean again, accessible for everyone to enjoy. Um, You know, everyone's been tired of coming up here looking at trash, looking at fire pits full of car batteries or whatever it was. So, that's something we've been doing for a long time. And in the last year or so, we got really into education and outreach and doing a lot of kids programs. So that's been really successful. We've been taking kids out fly fishing, rock climbing, stand up paddle boarding. And now that we have more precipitation in the weather, we're going to start doing a lot of um, tree planting events and taking people oh, out huh. to do some tree plantings in the areas that recently burned.
1: Oh, awesome, man. So you're not only doing the Kern river conservancy, you've started another organization, right? Is it kind of, or is it kind of, are they the same or are they different?
2: So we did start a second organization. Um, and I've, I'm not sure if you remember last year when I was on the show, you were asking me, like, where do you see the Conservancy in the next yeah, five, seven course. years? And I said, you know, I've kind of got this idea in my uh-huh. head about, you know, going to other rivers. And so eventually, you know, towards the end of 2021, I just I pulled the trigger on it and said, we're, we're going to expand, let's do it. And so the Southern Sierra Conservancy was born. And that is now a regional organization. It's under the umbrella of the Kern River Conservancy. And our focus on that is mainly like the Thule River, the Cooey River. And we're trying to get involved with the South Fork Kings River as well. But, you know, there's, it takes time to get to everywhere. And we're playing catch up. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, the Kern, the Kern River on its own, it's its own animal. You know, you can't compare yeah. the Kern to any other wild and scenic river. So that still takes up a bulk of our time. And the Thule River, the best part about the Thule and the Kauai only has a few recreational areas. So it's a lot easier for us to get stuff down there.
1: So are you guys uh, getting a lot more volunteers? Or are you actually having to hire people now? What, what's that all about?
2: Uh, so our volunteer base continues to grow. Uh, we mm-hmm. have a really, really good um, presence on social media, mainly on Instagram and Facebook. We've got almost 30,000 followers now. And, wow. you know, the... When we have volunteer events, we're seeing a lot of people show up. You know, we just had the great Kern River cleanup, and we had just over 100 people that showed up for that. Wow! And the numbers continue to stay consistent, and they always go up. It's never going down, which has been great. And um, we've had some capa- We've have more capacity now than we have before, so we're able to hire people like staffers to be like volunteer coordinators or event managers, and who can manage the cleanups. So I don't. I can't be everywhere all the time, right? So we have someone that specifically works on the Thule River. We have someone that specifically works on the Cuyah River. And they've been doing a great job so far, you know, getting the volunteers set up and managing the events that are taking place. And they've been doing really good down there.
1: How long has the Kern River Conservancy been going now?
2: Um, we started in 2013. Uh-huh. And, you know, just next year is our 10-year anniversary, which is a huge deal because it's, you know, uh-huh. being in California, it's already hard to uh-huh. own and operate a business, let alone a non-profit. So... The fact that we're turning 10 is a huge milestone it's in awesome. the nonprofit industry. Yeah,
1: Are, do I, are we going to have to have a party? Dude,
2: you know it. <laughs> we're going to do a massive party. <laughs> Let's do it, man. We're going to have a rager. Yeah. You, the whole shebang. We're Let's, doing it all.
1: We, count me in. Um, so you guys are doing the, the Tule, the Kaweah. You're going to possibly go into the the Kings. Your, your major area is, of course, the Kern River. I remember, I don't know if it was 2013, but I remember meeting you for the first time it might have been before that i don't know but i remember you were like i am starting this thing called the Kern river conservancy and i was at the time at that time i was thinking man somebody needs to do something you know somebody needs to do something and all of a sudden you appeared and it was like you know and the stuff that that you've done that the organization has done for the river is is unbelievable and amazing and and i'm super stoked that uh, you're expanding and and uh going into other areas i mean what, what's after that um, <laughs> i'll ask you that now and in the next podcast dude i opened oh, up man. nationwide yeah you know what like
2: <laughs> i mean just you know when i first started the Kern river conservancy it was never like my goal to make it what it is now because yeah. i loved working the nightclubs and bars in la and that was my thing and i was like right. oh this is gonna be like a passion project i can do this here and there right but it just took off and yeah. i didn't know what to do at one point i'm like what am i going to do <clears> like this is becoming a full-time job And so eventually in 2018, I quit my job in L.A. and moved up to Kernville and started doing this full time. And again, like at that point, I wasn't really thinking that far down the road of like what's going to happen in the next five years. And next thing you know, I'm sitting on the river. I'm like, I'm going to expand. Like we're going to go regional now, you know, and so we're doing it. And, you know, we have uh, folks down in the San Gabriel River have reached out to us recently Mm -hmm. asking for help and trying to see like jokingly saying come start a conservancy down here. But I mean, that's what the San Gabriel, (laughs) you know, the San Gabriel river is like the current. It's like a, it's a hectic river. It's super busy. Lots of traffic coming in and going over there. Lots of trash. Uh And, you know, like, I don't know if we have the capacity to manage two current rivers, you know, like one is enough with the other smaller rivers that are manageable. But uh, in my mind right now, I I go, can I manage two current rivers at the same time? Like, I don't know if I can do that. There's just so much going on and I don't want to bite too much that I can take off either. You know, so I'm like, you know, I can go down there. I can visit the Forest Service and the folks down there and see what's going on, what the problems are. Maybe come in as a consultant and give them advice and pointers rather than starting a whole other organization down there.
1: You know, uh, one, of the, one of the words that I've had to deal with lately is called delegate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been doing a lot more of that, yeah. you know, with my business, which is awesome. It makes it, you know, it makes it really nice and trusting those folks. You know that they can do a good job and they do and um, I mean it sounds like you're going to probably have to head into that you know area too eventually
2: yeah I mean this summer I learned you know like everybody this whole summer you know the theme was we can't hire staff we don't have staff we don't have quality people and I can firsthand say that's so true because I think I'm on employee number six or seven kind of working with us this summer we've kind of we hire people they don't show up to work we hire people they have no car when they told us they have a car they can get to wherever they have to go or Uh they'll show up for like a couple weeks and then they just disappear Uh. you know so I get the struggle everyone else is having you know like I was talking to (laughs) the people that own the coffee shop in Lake Isabel and he was telling me he's like I've literally gone through I think 30 employees this summer that's how many people he's hired who have not showed up to work on their first day or work a couple days and just don't come back and and it's like it's everywhere you know and it's like bizarre and I'm just like over here like ah, same here like I'm trying to find people
1: that's a trip man yeah so what's your uh what's your projects going on now that you um as far as like fish or trash or uh anything like that you got any any stuff going on
2: so trash is always gonna be a year-round project for us it's something that we'll continue to do all the time
1: what's sorry to interrupt you what's the since we're on trash what's the gnarliest thing that you've ever seen out there like I've been, seen, been seeing some pictures lately, like just serious dumps <laughs> that you've done. But what's the craziest thing? You know,
2: upriver, we see just your standard trash that campers and picnickers leave behind. Yeah. Um, around the lake, we see problems from the locals. <laughs> the local refrigerators, uh, refrigerators <laughs> uh, a boat, um, you know, yeah, we, yeah, we yeah. pulled a boat out of there, yeah, um, yeah. washers and dryers. And yeah, I yeah. mean, I should start a secondhand store and just sell everything I find. But, right. but you know, the locals just love going to the lake and dumping their crap. Cause they don't want to drive four miles to the dump. That's crazy. You know, they just dump it over there. So, and on the lower river, the lower is like something like, it's like the Bermuda triangle down there. <laughs> like, I don't even know, like the last time I was down there with the forest service, um, <laughs> we literally like came up on like this beautiful place down there to fish, and yeah and we walked down there and it just smelled like death, oh no, and sure enough, there was like bags of like dead animals like oh. and like you know there's like candles everywhere and, like, it was, it was, there was what uh, like candles oh. so it was apparent that there was sure some bet. type of like sacrifice of animals going on, like some satanic stuff Whoa. or whatever, but yeah, we had to pull out like a, a bag of like dead chickens whoa yeah it was pretty gnarly where was this at uh it just it's in the canyon it's like one of the pullouts so you pull out there's like a nice little area where there's a beach and sure we about. go down there every now and then we'll pull into those areas to check on and things and yeah we just we got down there and it smelled and I was like dude it's probably like a maybe a dead body that washed up that hasn't been found oh. yet or whatever but no and then we found a bag and then I was like I hope it's not like a dead baby or anything like that mm-hmm. and so we just braved it and just opened it up and it was just like dead chickens.
1: Yeah you know the uh, the lower the lower kern is so beautiful too you know i've been spending a lot of time down there this whole this whole year guiding and and fishing down there and it's just it blows me away man how 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 for one how many fish are down there and how good the fishing is but how beautiful it is you know regardless of all the the stuff that uh you know you see driving along the road and all that there's a lot of areas down there that you can go and enjoy and not see a lot of that stuff. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. I always
2: recommend people to go on a rafting trip down there. Yeah. Um, Because I always had like a weird outlook about the lower current before I went on my first rafting trip. And I went on my first rafting trip with Whitewater Voyages, and I got to see parts of that river that I had never seen before that you don't get to see because a lot of people just drive up that canyon. They don't stop and see. Yeah. So I went places I'd never imagined. And I was like, holy crap, this place is unbelievable. It is. It's like... In my opinion, I think it's more scenic and wilder than the upper current, you know, because no the upper current is so saturated with campers and tourists mm-hmm. and in the lower current, there's not much access for the public. So, you, you know, it's a big though, canyon. Yeah, it's huge yeah. and it's gorgeous. Like there's so much, you know, there's like the jungle run. Like, there's a reason why I call it the jungle run because it yeah. looks like the jungle down there. It's like so yeah. much greenery and it's like it's, an, it's insane.
1: Yeah, I, I really like it. So anyway, sorry to get off track there for a second, but so you have the. You were talking about the trash, and then you were going to talk about, so maybe yeah. I can
2: remember. So um, everybody knows that the staircase at the Johnson-Dale Bridge oh, yeah. kind of collapsed, and it's been kind of out of service, hasn't been used. If you're a fly fisher or avid hiker, um, you've experienced the wobbly stairs at the johnson Dale Bridge. Mm-hmm. So um, there was some pressure that came from the Tulare County Sheriff's Office about getting rid of that thing before somebody fell and died or broke their neck. So the Forest Service sent um, the fire crew down there and they dismantled it. They took it all out. They cleaned all the r- loose rock that was down there. Um, in my opinion right now, I think it's safer go <laughs> without down. the stairs than there was the stairs. Really? Yeah. Um, but um, we were able to get a grant for $25,000, um, and we're working with the Forest Service to get a new staircase built. So we're Wh- working with Wh-
1: some... When is that going to be done?
2: Yeah. Um, so we got the money finally uh, the check came in about two weeks ago um Shit. we've met with the engineers and everyone we've had a contractor meeting um so we're waiting for the contractors to send us a bid um so we know what's going to cost and where the forest service has to fill in as well you know there's a there's a lot of material that's left over that we want to bring back in it's still solid stuff that doesn't have to go in the trash so we want to reuse that stuff um like, so, the, like
1: the, some of the metal stairs. Like the metal stairs yeah. and the
2: railings are still in good condition. They can be yeah. reused. Um, so the stuff like that. So we're waiting for a quote from the contractors so we know what we're looking at. If it's something that's in the price range of the grant money that we got, then we'll go forward with the project. If not, then we'll get look for another contractor. But I would say for sure, like 100%, that staircase will be done by the springtime. Oh, sweet. And so everyone will be able to access that trail again.
1: Nice, man. Good. Nice work on that for yeah. sure. Yeah,
2: And then um, the Kernville Hatchery, it's still closed. Yeah. Um, that's something that we've been working with with um, Senator Shannon Grove's office and Assemblyman Devin Mathis' office. That's been an ongoing thing for about a year now. What's, um, the, what's
1: the latest on that?
2: So the latest is I reached out to them right before I had this meet, this podcast so to make sure I had up-to-date information from them. Yeah. So they sent me like this like five-page, <laughs> they made like a brochure out of it. Like this is how screwed up stuff is down there.
1: So the last uh, I, I went to one of those meetings. Um, I don't know, it was a couple months ago, maybe or something in the summer. And um, there, there was a lot of, you know, trying to find out, you know, where the pure strain of rainbow yeah. is and all that. And then also, you know, what's going to happen with the hatchery and all that kind of stuff. And so, if you want to just kind of, you know, elaborate on, yeah, on what you know,
2: um, so. According to this brochure they sent me, which is kind of funny, but um, <laughs> they have secured the funding, according to this. Oh, nice. For okay. the hatchery remodel renovation. Um, Sweet. And so... That's big news, right? Yeah. I
1: mean, they didn't... Before, they weren't thinking about doing... It was going to...
2: Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, this isn't like coming from a government, so we don't okay, know how accurate okay. it could be. Okay. Um, they've secured funding, but then they also found during their assessment with contractors that there was some significant uh, pipeline damage or deterioration over the years so that has to be um that wasn't counted for originally mm-hmm. um, so now that has to be something that they have to get back in and figure it out but it's so the project the construction is going through general services not fish and wildlife so that's the reason fish and wildlife hasn't been really giving an answer to our questions for the past year because they didn't know so they've kind of said well general services handles all our construction um What's so
1: general services like just your
2: it's kind of like a public works for the state. I guess oh, they okay. handle they handle the maintenance and renovation projects. Okay. Um, so from what this says, that's what they're doing. They're waiting to get additional funding for the pipeline. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once they secure that, then they'll start working. Um, I was told from a hatchery employee that they've had some people going in and working on. So, you know, there's three residential houses on the property yep. where staff is supposed to live. Um, yeah. And apparently they've been going in there and working on those houses, which oh. is a sign that means they're getting their place ready to hire staff and have them live there. Okay. Cause they're not livable right now. That's great. Um, news. So, so what we've been told is they've started, done some minor remodeling work and getting stuff done over there, which shows us that they're probably getting ready to hire a manager to come live there and work from there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's a good thing. Um, they did back in end of August, fish and wildlife teamed up with the Merced fly fishers. And they sent a crew out for two weeks in the backcountry. And they did a 10 day trip to the current Kuya Gap area. Mm -hmm. And they hiked in three days to get to their first target location. And it was all, they pretty much fished every creek, swimming hole, pond, lake, whatever you can call it, that had a body of water. They fished it. Waterfalls, whatever. If they saw water flowing, they threw a fly in there to see if they'd catch something. And they caught about 200 trout, rainbow trout. um, And they did their thing. They clipped the fins and they, you know, got all that back down here. They came back after two weeks and all the samples have been sent out. Um, So I've heard different stories. I've heard it's gone to the biologists at Fish and Wildlife. I heard some of them went to UC Davis or Berkeley. And they're all being studied to see which is the most pure strain. Um, I know for a long time, Fish and Wildlife was really obsessed with 100%. And we want 100% genetic. And it's hard. You're not going to find 100% anywhere. And if that's what your goal is, then this project will never be accomplished. So I've heard that they're kind of settling for 95 or 90% genetic. Um, so we'll see what happens with what they've caught up there. Um, one of the guys that went over there is a good friend of mine. He went on this trip, and he said that the country out there is just unbelievable. He's like, we caught current river and rainbows that you would dream about. You know, the beauty, the sizes, the wildness that they were catching was unbelievable. And he's pretty stoked. He feels confident they got some good fish. These are all, all areas that ne- they had never searched before. And did, they've did, never fished before.
1: Nice. It, it, um, did they film it and, and do anything like that?
2: No, I, I sent a GoPro with them oh, okay. uh, to film it. Because we're still working on that documentary that we started mm. uh, several years ago Yeah, um, to film the whole document of bringing Kern River rainbows back here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's taking a lot longer because we just didn't expect... Fish and wildlife to continue putting things on hold with this project. You know, with 2018, um, we had the earthquake, right? So then there was some damage to the trail and they didn't go. And then the next year they had, um, the volunteers were very, very old and couldn't hack the high altitude. So they got sick and they had to come back and the trip got canceled. Then you had COVID. Then the year after that was the fires. Mm -hmm. And so then this year it was like green green light, we're going, we're doing it. And it was like so short notice. Like I got like a 10 day notice on this. And there yeah. was no way I could have gone, yeah. and there's no way our camera guy was going to be able to go on a short yeah. notice like that. So I ran down to Bakersfield, went to Best Buy, picked up a GoPro, the best one they had, the latest model, bought extra batteries, charging cable, whatever you can imagine. I bought everything for these guys. Drove from Bakersfield all the way to Bishop to meet with them, dropped all the stuff, showed them how to use the GoPros, and, you know, they were off. And then I came back two weeks later to meet with them in Bishop, and... I was going through some of the footage, and it was just—it's just, it's just good? unbelievable. Oh, nice! For a bunch of amateur guys, what they got, yeah. you know, recorded is so—the the countryside up there, obviously, insane. It's insane, and the fish they were catching, and the process—they documented everything like so well. You know, we gave them a shot list of what we wanted to make sure they got all that, and they did, and they did a great job. So, you know, nice, they man. brought back like—I don't know—I think like two hundred hours of footage. Oh, sweet! So we—it's going to take us some time to go through all yeah. that, and. Um, figure out what's going to stay and what's not going to stay. And then obviously when you cut that, then you bring it down. You know, we have to take 200 hours and drop it to three minutes, you know.
1: So for those that don't know, um, kind of explain like what this whole Kern River Rainbow Project is all about. What they what they plan to do, you know, with these fish, um, what they're going to do with the hatchery, how it's all tying together, and then what the ultimate goal is for the the Kern.
2: Yeah. So right now, uh, all the fish that you catch in the Kern River, uh th- the really basic rainbows that you're catching are coming from the San Joaquin Hatchery. Um, they could be a combination of McLeod or Eagle Lake rainbow trout, and just uh, really, um, there's no consistency. It's <laughs> whatever they have money to buy yeah. is what they're stocking. So, uh, the trucks come up here twice a week. You know, you see them driving around Kernville, stocking the river in town and upriver, um, and so that's what they're doing. And the goal is to get rid of that and have the fish that are being stocked in the river to be native Kern River rainbows that can reproduce. Because the fish that are bringing there are triploids, they don't reproduce. They're sterile fish, and the purpose is that we don't want hybridization between, you know, Mm -hmm. farm-raised fish and native fish. So, until they get this all genetic things figured out, and then the hatchery reopens, that means that we'll have pure Kern River rainbows being raised at the hatchery and being stocked in the lake or in the river. And those fish will be able to reproduce with each other to keep the population going and sustainable.
1: what this is all about. So yeah, we have the triploid fish that are being stocked in the Kern and that's been going on for years and years and years, but there's a, there's a dilemma. There's fish that are being stocked in Lake Isabella that in, from what I heard can reproduce and they're from Nebraska or wherever they're, you know, the Nebraska, Nebraska tail walkers Mm -hmm. or whatever those fish are. So do you, do you know anything about that as far as like what, what their plan is to do with the, with those fish, because all those fish end up coming into the current of cotton caught them. Um, my clients have caught them, um, and so you know that's kind of a that's kind of an interesting.
2: Yeah, it's been brought there, up to right? conversation with Fish and Wildlife. Um, they yeah. don't really have an answer to that. Of cor- what can they which do? Which is yeah. not surprising, but yeah. um, you know, Lake is about that is permitted through the Chamber of Commerce down there. They're the ones who stock the fish for the derby every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in the eyes of Fish and Wildlife, it's like, well, they have a permit. They're doing everything legit. They're buying the fish from a a licensed farmer or whatever, blah, blah, blah. So they don't see anything in their eyes. You know, like, you've been to these meetings. They have, Their yeah. biologists are, like, the, they're not the brightest people. Yeah. You know, when we sit there tell them that these fish are swimming upstream into the Kern and they're like, oh, no, they're not. That's impossible. You know, yeah. like, no, it is. Come here and fish, and you'll see. Yeah. You know, there's a reason the, the section of the river in Kernville is called Steelhead Run. It's because sort of the tail walkers are showing up, and the people mm-hmm. are catching these, like, monster trout. But, yeah, it's just... You know, they see things different. Like a biologist for fish and wildlife has a different point of view than a biologist that was working for an environmental group. You know, for us it's all about native and keeping the natives protected. Right. And on their end it's it's a business. Oh they have a permit, they're legitimate so they can plant whatever the fish they want.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. That's an interesting thing that's probably gotta be addressed, you know, if they're gonna do the Kern River rainbows in the in the Kern and, and keep stocking you know fish that can reproduce in the lake they're going to have to they're going to have to do figure something out there yeah i'm sure really? when that
2: day comes you know like it's going to be an advocacy thing between you know us and the fly fishing community and like you know we're going to have to find a a medium because obviously we don't want to ruin an amazing event that the chamber of commerce is putting on that yeah. draws tens of thousands of people here for its commerce and the economy here it's a booster but at the same time like we you know the people that are fishing the derby don't care what they're catching they're not stuck if they caught, they caught a native kern rainbow, or right. they caught a catfish. They don't care. Yeah. Those guys just want to catch fish.
1: Sure. So it's an interesting interesting thing that goes on. So back to the hatchery. So the pipe that you were talking about that needs to be fixed, is that the one coming from KR3?
2: Um, I don't know. They didn't really describe oh, okay. They didn't give me a description. They said that there's a pipe that was very, very old, and it's deteriorated, and it was not caught in the uh, initial assessment of the, the renovations.
1: Okay. Interesting. What other projects you've been working on?
2: Um, we're doing some fire prevention stuff as well with the Forest Service and Kern County Fire. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're trying to get um, preparedness readiness programs going for people up here. We've had two devastating wildfires in the last two years here, um, and one thing we learned is, no matter how much people think they're prepared, they're not. Yeah. And, you know, with the French fire, we saw that and we stepped up and we tried to help as much as we could with the resources we had. Mm-hmm. And after that fire, I just said, you know, like, I'm going to start looking into how we can help this community be better off, not just being prepared for it, but as a response as well. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, we went out our way and we were like buying pizzas from the pizza barn and taking them to the shelters where people were uh, sleeping. Mm-hmm. Who had lost their homes. We were taking pizzas down to the fire camp to feed the firefighters. And, you know, we did everything we could to help out. But I just saw that there was a void, you know, and yeah. living in a rural community, like in Kern County, like that's that's like the downside is we live like in this beautiful place. But the resources are so limited for people in these rural areas and they have to rely heavily on nonprofits to step up sometimes. And mm-hmm. I think that's where Kern River Conservancy has been successful at doing is we identify the problem is failed government responses or not enough response. So we have to step that up and help out, you know. Um, during the French fire, people were complaining they weren't getting information from the agencies. Nobody knew what was going on. And we use our resources and our connections to find out the most up-to-the-minute fire information there was so we know how to address that. And, you know, we had a great partnership with the Forest Service and Kern County Fire and, try and get that information out there. As a third-party non-agency we don't have red tape. We don't have bureaucrats telling us what to do. We can publish that. And that's what we were doing. We are putting fire information out as fast as we were getting it. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody's working on a line, boom, like I know about it. You know, like here's what's a going lot. on. This might, this might be coming down. But I couldn't really post that right away, you know, until I got confirmation from the higher ops. But we were putting it out there, and we became like this resource of information for everybody out here. Yeah. And it really grew the capacity of this group to not just be like an environmental group, but we came like a big beacon for the community for right. help, you know?
1: Did you ever think that would be where no. where you guys would lead?
2: <laughs> 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 Absolutely. Like, I mean, like today I was at a homeless meeting, you know, like yeah. we're trying to figure out how we can um, address the homeless situation in the in, valley, right here in, in Kern valley. In the valley? Yeah. Oh, okay. So now we're getting involved in that because we do have homeless people that camp in the campgrounds mm-hmm. and those are things that we have to deal with, whether it's trash mm-hmm. or stuff like that. Um, So that falls on the hands of whether it's BLM or Forest Service or even with us. Sometimes things can get a little busy, especially in the off-season. Like right now, a lot of the employees are gone. They're seasonal employees. So a lot of volunteers start picking up the slack on all that.
1: So down there on the lower Kern, I've I've seen some people hanging out there in tents, you know, like that where the— where, you know, where the bre- they put in the rafts there when you get off the freeway. Yeah. You, t- you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Are those folks, are a lot of those folks homeless down uh, there? Or? Probably, yeah. I mean, yeah. I
2: haven't been down there since July because oh, some okay. of those areas we can only access with the raft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that's another reason why law enforcement is not aware of them or they're not mm. getting kicked out because law enforcement's not making that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's why mostly, there. a lot of that land is BLM as well, so. Mm-hmm. Are you guys
1: seeing uh, more homeless up here than, yeah. than normal? We are. Why is that?
2: Um, I think it's just because it's out of sight out of mind mentality mm. you know you're just kind of in the forest you're just hidden nobody's going to bother you Um you're legally allowed to stay in the campground for a specific amount of days
1: the dispersed stuff
2: yeah dispersed sites you know you can stay up there for 14 days depending who law enforcement is that's uh, right uh approaching you they could be a cool right. law enforcement and say oh, I get it you're homeless you have nowhere to live just as long as you're staying clean not bothering anybody you know you can stay over here or it could be an uh, a-hole of an officer and just kick you right out of the same day he sees you. You know uh-huh. that's, That really all depends, I think. But I think the whole dispersed camping thing is becoming the, this wide problem where now the homeless people are realizing, oh, we can just come set up camp and not get kicked out and we can do whatever we want.
1: Wow. Are you seeing that more on the lower area? or all <laughs> uh, lower? We
2: see it on the lower. Um, okay. Well, We see it on the upper as well. I think on the upper river we see more of homeless people that have jobs. You know, like, they have their encampment upriver, but they'll come in, they'll work their job, and then they'll go back up. You uh-huh. know, they, pro- they probably don't have enough money to get housing. Yeah. So they live in their cars or their makeshift encampments that they have upriver in their campgrounds. Wow.
1: I didn't even know that. Yeah. That's crazy.
2: Yeah, there's a few sites up there that we have problems with people. A lot of, like, those um, old, beaten down, like, breaking bad RVs and stuff like that. They're just homeless. Uh-huh. You know, they're set up there for a month or two at a time in the wintertime. You know, there's not enough Forest Service staff out there that's patrolling, so they get away with it. Mm. And, you know, sometimes these people, um, they stay clean, they mind their own business, they don't bother anybody. And, um, you know, when we're up there, they'll tell us, okay, oh, hey, there's like so-and-so is over here trashing us and whatever. Or they'll clean, you know, like because yeah. they know they're breaking the rules being down there. Yeah. Um sometimes they'll just go out of their way and start cleaning stuff on their own and be like, Here we helped you guys and we got all this stuff done and oh. you know, which I see, you know, whatever. Like the guy's not doing anything. Right. You know, I don't see a problem with it. he's being clean, he's not vandalizing the place. He's been respectful to the campers and he's helping out, and I'm not gonna, you know, push the dude out. Like
1: Yeah, you know, I I heard this I don't know if it's true or not, but is is Lake Isabella kinda of like a drop off point for folks like you know, you know what I'm talking about? like Yeah, they, I've,
2: I, so you know. somebody brought that up to me as well. I, I don't the,
1: know. I don't know. What, I, what do they call that? Uh, they call it something where yeah. if they get out of jail or something, they send them up to Lake Isabella. And yeah, you
2: know. I don't know. I've uh, been told or I've been okay. asked if I knew anything I about some program yeah. where they were bringing homeless people from Bakersfield and just dumping them in Isabella. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even know who to go about ask that question. Yeah. Like, even if I did have somebody to ask, they're probably going to deny it. Mm-hmm. You know?
1: What about um have you seen an increase in crime or has it gone down? Um or are you seeing anything out there at all?
2: Uh look, just in general in the whole town or just like just, through the campgrounds? Yeah, through
1: the campgrounds and like just in the valley in general, like you know, mostly along the river corridor, I guess.
2: Um I mean, Miracle Hot Springs is always, you know, always a stuck shit going down show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that place is just exempt from the whole world. You know, like, That place is a trip, huh? Dude, I mean, if, that's like the place. If you feel like being robbed, go to Miracle Hot Springs. <laughs> if you feel like having your car broken into, go to Miracle Hot Springs. If you feel like with death springs. and being murdered, go to <laughs> Miracle Hot Springs. Yeah. And, you know, it's closed now. I mean, you know, the place, the hot springs are gone. You know, law enforcement went in there a few weeks ago and smashed all the tubs out. And they got oh, they rid did? Of, Yeah, I mean, we had they had two suspicious deaths in the last month and a half, two months, and oh, it's just it's been a magnet for crime. I know the sheriff's department's constantly down there with police calls for oh, really? robberies. Uh, Car break-ins, people are being beat up at night and mugged in the parking lot. Oh. Yeah, so it's been, looks right. like a circus of crap down there.
1: Is it the same with the other hot springs?
2: No, Remington's a lot better. Remington, uh-huh. you know, if you, you've been to Remington, it's like, yeah. a, it, it's a hike to get down there. Yeah, yeah. Well, a Miracle, you park your car, you walk 10 feet, and you're at the hot springs. So, oh. it, you know, it, it
1: attracts a different clientele. Okay, yeah. I was just down there uh, at Remington uh, just checking out the water. I wasn't yeah. going in the hot springs, but I was just checking out the God, it's beautiful down
2: there, man. Dude, the river. I'm telling you, yeah, so, that section of the river, like go yeah. rafting on it, it's
1: unbelievable. Yeah. It's it's unbelievable, man. Any other projects you're doing?
2: Uh, I saw you guys
1: doing some rock climbing.
2: Yeah, so uh, yeah. we got another grant um, to take kids out. You know, the uh-huh. focus of the grant was um, I called it getting dirty. That's what the grant application was called. Awesome. And um, you know, it was pretty much to take all these kids who've been stuck home from virtual learning from COVID. Um, you know, we there's a lot of parents who are telling us about their kids aren't social anymore or they forgot how to be social because of virtual. They've been stuck home or whatever. So we got this program that could take the kids out and they're like kind of like team building exercises. You know, they go out there and they have fun with these other kids. And it's pretty cool because the kids cheer each other on on when they're climbing or whatever they're yeah. doing. And Looks it's awesome. it, it's great. It's like a lot of fun. I get to watch them, you know. Um, and then when we have enough time, you know, we'd let the parents go up there and climb as well. Nice. It's been so far so good. I mean, I want to say we've probably pushed almost 300 kids so far since we started in the summertime. man. Yeah.
1: That's really cool. And are you seeing some of these kids, like you've been doing it 10 years now, but are you seeing some of these kids like maybe coming back and helping? Or, I mean, it's got to have some kind of, you know, positive influence on them and their lives, you know?
2: Yeah, I do. We see a lot of kids. um, There's some kids that are like hardcore, all about Kern River Conservancy. And, nice. you know, we see them coming back and the parents will tell us, I didn't want to come, but, you know, my, <laughs> my kids wanted to come and help, That's you know, cool. the, the mom's like fresh out of bed. Like she didn't want to get out, <laughs> but the kids dragged her like, Oh, there's a cleanup. We have to go. You how know? cool is that? It's, it's super rad. Cause I, it's, we see, you know, we have enough cleanups a year, So we see the consistency of some of these locals uh-huh. and the kids. And we, it's always the kids that tell the parents like what to do and how to do it. Mm-hmm. And when we're on river, we're up, on doing the patrol up there with the forest service and we'll talk to the parents or whatever do all the time. The kids will point fingers at mom or dad. They're like, I told you you were doing it wrong mom <laughs> or mom. I said it was illegal. You didn't listen to me. Uh-huh. You know, and it's, it's pretty hysterical that kids at young ages know, you know, the right way to do things. And they'll blame the parents. Cause the parents are like, ah, nobody cares. And no one's paying attention until we show up. And then we're like, "Oh, this is illegal. And oh, the, the kids like, we told them <laughs>
1: <laughs> the amount of stuff that you've learned you know, having the Kern river conservancy, it, I mean, it's, it's gotta be incredible, you know, not, not only just not, not, not only how to do a nonprofit 501, three C, you know, all the, in, all the ins and outs of that, but all the people that you have to talk to politically, um, also, you know, um, trying to get grants and all that stuff. I don't think a lot of people have any idea, no, they how don't. How much it takes to, to do what you're doing, right? You
2: know, it's. There's so much that goes on the back end yeah. of nonprofits. And. Don't um, forget the
1: marketing and yeah, the all website. Of all <laughs> of that, dude. Yeah. You
2: know, like people don't know like, how much travel I do. You know, right. like I travel up and down the Central Valley. Yeah. Because that's where our base is our volunteer base, our donor base is all Central Valley from Bakersfield to Fresno. Um, I go, if there's an event in Porterville, I'll go, we'll set up a booth. If there's a chamber of commerce function in Fresno, we'll go. Like we go to all these events because we want to put our name out there. And I want to connect with people. Like I'm really, I love being social. I love networking. And the more I do it, the more I could, because these are, I need access to these companies. You know, we want corporate sponsors to come step up and help us out. And we have a couple of great ones, you know, they've helped us out. Yeah. And, but we want to keep doing that. And now that we have the expansion, you know, we want to tap in that market in the Central Valley. But it's a ton, and people never understand. Most people will just joke that, oh, you're just driving around in your car with stickers or um, you're just picking up trash, but they don't see the other you're end. You're campaigning, bro. Dude, it's like <laughs> politicking yeah. is a full-time <laughs> job. Let me tell you guys. Like, I have to go out there, and I like keep track of all these events politicians are at or whatever, and I try to get to as much as I could because I want to make sure – I'm rubbing shoulders with the right people right on, and I have a respectable reputation and relationship with all these folks as well, Mm -hmm. because eventually you're going to need them sometime like this hatchery thing, you Mm -hmm. know, like we've had such a great relationship with the Senator's office and the Assemblyman's office. Um, you know, that's helped us out a lot. And even right now we have like a new project that we're working on, which I'll tell you about right now. And we're working with the County on that, you know, like these are all relationships that I have to build and building that doesn't mean just like whatever you show up here and there, but it's like constant engagement because you're building a friendship. And now all, these are all people I can like have a beer with or yeah. I can chill and hang out with, you know, and yeah. that's the best part is I have that relationship and I keep it going and I'm not going to stop it because that's the key to being a successful community organizer is having these connections mm-hmm. because there's going to be the days where I need their help. Right. Or there's going to be days where they need my help and having those connections and those relationships is super key for a nonprofit in the community. It's just that you just need it. If I knew the gas crisis we're going to have this summer. Oh my God. I would have waited an extra year to create the expansion. Oh my God. Dude, driving up and down in a Ford F-350. Oh Yeah. Going to yeah yeah you know there was sometimes I was like on the road constantly for weeks at a time right Fresno Porterville Springville Visalia Three Rivers like back and forth like going oh yeah and there's just like the season of events and you have uh-huh. to go to all these all the senators here the, the assemblyman's there you know the supervisors gonna be there and I go to those I just want to make sure I'm represented as yeah. are my organization so people know we exist mm-hmm. you know and that's the biggest thing is like. You're promoting yourself, the brand. It's huge. Right? And yeah. people have to know about you. Yeah. You know, so when I go to these events, like, I want people to know that the Kern River Conservancy exists and the Kern River Valley exists. And yeah. that's the key. So they know there's representation here and a respectable mm-hmm. one at that.
1: Mm-hmm. Right on. I mean, do you think, that going back to the hatchery project, do you think that if you and some of the other folks didn't push a little bit that this would have been dropped?
2: I think fishing Game was on, they were just on the sleeping on it, and yeah. they weren't really, like, nobody's going to bother us about it. And then mm-hmm. we had sent a few emails out, and they just kind of, like, fell on deaf ears. Uh-huh. And then when we got Assemblyman Devin Mathis' office involved and Senator Groves' office, um, you know, and then they started with the, the legality of, like, sending emails or letters, official letterheads coming from both the Senate and the Assembly then, asking for accountability, what's going on, why is this not being done, where's the mm-hmm. money, you know, and that kind of got the wheels turning over there to where we're seeing now some progress being made. It's not a lot, but it's a little, but it's at least they're starting to get the ball gone. Mm-hmm. And I think they, I think they know that the radar is on them. Mm-hmm. They're being watched. Mm-hmm. What extent they don't know, but yeah. um, not just by, on the political end, but on the community end that the organizations are paying attention. And if we don't see movement, then we'll come back with another round of attacks on like, Hey, we need to know what's going on. Nice man.
1: There's a, there's a project going on uh, down by mean Lake. Have you seen that? They're like tearing up like the, the sidewalks all around the lake and stuff have you seen no, what's going on down there uh, it looks like they're getting ready to extend that bike path somewhere oh, probably or, yeah doing something they've kind of cleaned that area up a little bit down there man it needs it needs more love but it's, yeah they got it's, a
2: ton of money uh, Kern current county parks got a, like tens of millions of dollars in funding recently are they for
1: all their parks oh that that would be amazing to fix that yeah totally up,
2: right you said you had
1: another project you were working
2: on? Yeah. So um, if you're if you live in Kernville or you fly fish around Kernville, then you're really familiar with um, the you know, what they call Steelhead Beach, right across Rivernook. You guys take people down there to fish. Oh yeah, Steelhead. Run. So yeah. That whole property is owned by the Kernville Chamber of Commerce, so it's about thirteen acres of land. Oh yeah. And so what we're doing now is we're gonna transform that thirteen acres into an uh, environmental education park. Nice. And that's going to be Kern County's first and only dedicated environmental education park. And I believe it would be the Central Valley's only park as well. We did, uh, based on what we've looked up so far, we haven't seen any other dedicated environmental education parks. So we're going to outfit that whole thing out. Like we're going to have an outdoor amphitheater for kids to come and like listen to speakers talk about the environmental stuff. Um, we have access to the beach so we can do the fly fishing, stand-up paddle boarding, river safety over there. Um, we're going to team up with this other group and we're going to plant all these like native wildflowers on there. And the kids nice. can go in there and do the tours. And, you know, there's the nature walk that we built there. The boy scouts came out and they did a great job building that. Yeah. Um, we've started another phase. We're building a picnicking area towards the right end of it where the mobile home park is. Mm-hmm. So right over there, we've cleared all that out. And, um, you know, the Kern river rodeo association came out with all their kids and they did a fantastic job of helping us out with Clean over there. Up. Um, so that's going to be like a picnicking area. And in the top, um, we kind of joined forces with SOS Dog Rescue, and we're going to build a dog park up at the top. No way. Yeah, so it's going to be pretty cool. It's going to be very state-of-the-art. All up and down that whole nature walk in the garden, Uh, we're going to have their QR code kiosks where the kids can scan it with their phones. Oh, cool. And um, a video will pop up, and we're going to make videos, like short 30-second videos for each one. And it'll tell them about the plants and the area they're in and stuff like that. So Pitchin. kids don't like to read. So at least we do a video. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's still in carnival. So service so they can get the video pop up and they can well, watch that's it. That's cool,
1: yeah. man. That's really cool. Who, Whose uh, idea was that? Mine. Nice. Of yeah.
2: I, every time I look down there, I'm like, man, there's like, there's something to, there's something to do here. There's like a this, teepee down there. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it's like 13 acres of land on the river. Yeah. Like no one is doing anything with it. Like why? Like this could be an amazing park, you know, and this whole summer, um, you know, we went down there with all the kids. So we were taking them there for fly fishing outings, for the stand-up paddle boarding. We did a lot of stuff down there. And I realized this place has so much more to offer if we put, you know, a couple, like $10,000, $20,000 into it and get this place renovated. It could be badass. For sure. You know, we can have school buses show up with the kids, you know, yeah. during the week and have their programs down there. You know, the outdoor amphitheater, the teachers can stand on the stage and talk to the kids about all their stuff. You know, mm-hmm. it's a great venue for it.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, could it be, could it also be used for a musical venue too? No, or I don't think no. it'd
2: be, it's not that big. No, it's not that big. Yeah, that'd be cool.
1: Yeah, we need to we need an amphitheater in uh, Kernville.
2: You know, we were talking about that right across at the rodeo arena. There's still huh? that, uh, there's a lot of empty space back there in the property. Ah, it would be a great like, concert venue.
1: It would, huh? But it would probably affect the
2: neighborhood. Or well, you know, the neighbors are complaining yep. about everything. Yeah, there's a lady that complains about the. She's complaining that there's a dog park coming. She's complaining that there's a rodeo every weekend. She's complaining <laughs> about the cars. She complains about the guy on the bicycle. Oh,
1: really? She complains oh, yeah. that
2: the birds are chirping too loud. <laughs> she calls the chamber of commerce for everything. Right
1: on. So, what else? Anything else?
2: Um, you know, it's the end of the year, so you know, we try to ramp up our end of year giving. So, yeah. if you're out there oh, listening, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. You know, send us a donation. It's the end of the year. You know, this year, it's been tough. It's been a really crappy fundraising year because of all the the economy. People didn't have disposable income to, you know, give money out, like donations and stuff like that. We saw a huge, huge drop in our fundraising. You know, none of our fundraising goals were ever met this year. All of them fell very short, like a lot, very, very short. You know, it's just people didn't have the money. They didn't know what to do. And so...
1: What, what, if they want to donate, what do they donate and where, how do they do it?
2: So it's pretty simple. They can go to our website at KernRiverConservancy.org and just click on the donate page and it'll take okay. them there. Um, and then there's an address too. If they want to send us a check, they can mail us a check. You know, if you're a company looking for some last minute end of year tax write-offs, you know, like boom, send us a check for the business. You know, we'll handle that. If you're friends with the guy who just won the Power Bowl, let them know we do tax write-offs.
1: <laughs> so that, that's a, on your KernRiverConservancy.org uh, website yeah. and then go to the sponsorship page.
2: No, do- donate page. Donate page. Yeah, they okay. just click on donate, and then they can donate over there. Donate page. Um, okay. If you are an avid Amazon shopper, we have an Amazon Smile account. You can register on our website too. So every time you shop, Amazon will donate the percentage of your proceeds to us. And it's pretty good. We get, I think, like $300 a month from Amazon.
1: Uh, how does that work? You go on to Amazon and you click on Amazon Smile?
2: Yeah. So um, when you go to the donate page, there's a link for Amazon Smile. So that will take you directly to the Conservancy's profile. Okay. And then you just click like agree or yes, that like you want the Conservancy to be your beneficiary. So every time you shop, uh, Amazon will take like 3% out of your purchase and give mm-hmm. it to us.
1: Okay. You know, um, for everybody that's listening out there, I'll have these links on uh, the website as well as, uh, you know, on the podcast Uh, website as well so if you guys want to donate definitely do so you can obviously see all the different things that the Kern river conservancy is doing for not only the community but also for other communities as well Um, i think it's a it's a good good thing to donate to these folks for sure
2: yeah definitely i mean we're a donation run organization um a lot of the projects we do, uh, they are not funded by grants. You know, there's no grants for trash. There's no grants for picking up trash or cleaning graffiti or outreach, like teaching people to leave no trash. That just that comes out of our pocket. We do that on our own time, um, you know. But other projects are, you know, funded by grants, like for the hat, the, the stairs or you know stuff like that. That's different, mm-hmm. you know. And those are doable stuff. But those things that keep us busy year round, there's no grants for that. We just have to fundraise for those and try to pay for that. Right on.
1: Well, Gary, thanks, man. Thanks Thanks for for having me again. yeah, Yeah, thanks for being on the show. And you guys, thanks for listening out there. And we will catch you guys next time.